My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Stefan Kipfer and Herman Rosenfeld. There used to be a project in Toronto called the Greater Toronto Workers' Assembly. The assembly doesn't exist anymore, but for a period of time it brought together activists and organizers from a range of movements, organizations, and communities in struggle in the city. One of its campaigns was Free Transit Toronto, and since the assembly faded away, Free Transit Toronto has become an activist network in its own right, bringing together a small but dedicated group committed to organizing around a vision of high-quality, widely available, public transit that is completely free. This focus was carefully chosen. The ability to get from place to place is, after all, absolutely central, and it's not an easy thing for a lot of people to do, particularly in a large and expensive city. Even small changes that would make getting around Toronto easier, cheaper, more accessible, and more available would have a major impact on people's lives, especially the lives of poor and working-class people. At the same time, focusing on transit that is totally free as a long-term goal centrally incorporates a transformative vision into the work, a vision that includes not only the decommodification of transit, but also all of the requirements and downstream consequences that such a change would carry with it. It would, today's guests argue, have important implications for, and open space for radical conversations about, all of the broad range of issues and struggles increasingly being talked about under the banner of the right to the city, the fundamental struggles around who gets to enjoy, control, shape, benefit from, and thrive in urban space. Free Transit Toronto has combined work that explicitly focuses on elaborating and articulating this larger radical vision and the anti-capitalist sensibility which informs it, with work contributing to broader campaigns that have more modest and immediately winnable goals. In recent years, this has included sinking considerable energy into building and supporting the TTC Riders and the Fair Fair Coalition. The former is a sizable membership organization that pushes for increased public investment in transit, lower fares, more services, and increased reach for mass rapid transit, while the latter is a campaign that emerged largely from the city's agency sector with the goal of reducing transit fares for people living on low incomes, especially people on social assistance. Herman Rosenfeld is a retired auto worker and trade union staffer, and Stefan Kipfer teaches environmental studies at York University. Both are active in Free Transit Toronto. They speak with me about the politics and practicalities of the fight for free transit in Canada's largest city. We spoke by Skype and Skype to phone from Toronto. I'm Herman Rosenfeld. I'm a retired staff person for the Canadian Auto Workers. Ten years ago, I retired. I used to work at an auto assembly plant, and then I worked for the union, and for the last 10 years I've been active in various political activist things, and I taught a couple of university courses as well. And I'm active in Free Transit Toronto and other transit activist movements in Toronto. 
I'm Stefan Kipfer. I teach in the Faculty of Environmental Studies at York University. I've lived in Toronto since I came here from Switzerland in 1989, and I've been active in various movements over the last quarter century, and I've been active with the Free Transit Network now since, well, the last four or five years or something like that. Free Transit Toronto is a network slash movement arguing that transit should be free affairs. It should be non-commodified. The right to move and not to move is a critical piece in terms of challenging climate change, in terms of structuring how people live and where they live, and in terms of addressing things like racism, the worst kind of gender oppression, various kinds of ailments we know that are affecting our cities. It's a critical component of actually challenging the way we do things, and it requires all kinds of other fairly radical ways of thinking and ways of doing things. Free Transit Toronto used to be a subcommittee of the Greater Toronto Workers' Assembly, which does not exist anymore, and so it's now an independent group that does its own thing, but also works with other transit organizations in the city of Toronto, like the TDC Riders and the Fair Fair Coalition. We help to build those movements, and they're part of broader movements around making public transit affordable, accessible, less dependent on fares, and more democratically planned and shaped. There's a history of transit work in Toronto, but it was spotty. Seventy percent of the operations of public transit in Toronto is paid for at the fare box, which is like the highest percentage of anywhere in North America and many places in the Western world. And transit is often seen here as something that's too expensive, as an adjunct. So we felt it was really critical. And also we knew that in order to be able to call for free transit, we would have to talk about how do you fund it, which means that we're talking about changing the way that we fund things. The idea that transit should be a non-confinified right, which raises the entire question of that. And also this whole issue of the right to the city, in terms of whose city, what kind of development will cities have, and in whose interest will this happen? Transit questions, including free transit, opens up a whole series of questions and possibilities to reorganize various aspects of capitalist society, from economic development strategies, moving towards an ecological socialist future, to dealing with global climate change and the imperial divisions of labor in the world, to also just thinking about, you know, speaking of the right to the city, to think about a post-capitalist world also as a different way of living an urban life. Transit is always part of all of that. So before we talk about the work that Free Transit Toronto has been doing, why don't you set some of the context for listeners by talking about the transit system itself? about the Toronto Transit Commission, or TTC, and about the way that it works and the role that it plays in the life of the city and so on. It's multimodal, like there's subway, streetcars, buses. And Toronto is infinitely bigger than some of the smaller cities. It's the third largest in North America, the transit system, after New York and Mexico City, larger than Chicago even. And it is actually shaped around the mass transit part the subways, for example, go across a narrow strip east-west and north and south off the main artery. It was built mostly for people to get downtown to go to work. But the further out you go into the areas where there's mixes between poorer people and more suburban life, it's more buses and less mass transit. 
if you look at a city this size and you look at the actual transit network, particularly the subway network, it looks like it's much smaller than it needs to be. And for about 20 years, there wasn't much investment in it. And it's starved for operations funding. This so-called state of good repair is very much down. And now there's a whole movement to build, but there's debates over how much of it will be publicly managed, where that's going to be building, how the operations will be paid for, and how much will transit fares be. Half a billion dollars is what the operations cost for the TTC. You can think of Toronto as an island in North America. From the point of view of public transit, heavy public transit use is really restricted to a series of islands across the continent between which there is not much in terms of public transportation. And Toronto is one of those islands. And the fact that this is the case, of course, creates huge political problems because state or provincial or even national jurisdictions don't have a lot of incentives to invest in transit because the constituencies are too scattered and too small, which is different from some European contexts where urban transportation, regional transportation is a part of national transportation systems transit systems, that is, rail networks and so on, which hardly exist anymore on this continent. The other thing which Herman alluded to is the regional question. Toronto, like many other cities like New York or Chicago or Montreal or Vancouver, has kind of three urban zones as far as transit is concerned. You have the central city, which is heavily transit-oriented. I mean, people still drive too much, but transit is often the majority mode of transportation. And then you've got the suburbs that were built in the 50s, 60s, early 70s, where a lot of people are transit dependent for economic reasons, but the transit system is weak because those places were built for the car. And these places in the city of Toronto are in the same city as the central city. But then you have the newer suburbs that were built over the last generation and a half, where really only 5 to 15 percent of people use public transit on a regular basis. So you have a very complicated picture, and we are, of course, located largely in the central city. And at the same time, most of our actions are oriented towards the Toronto Transit Commission, which is the city of Toronto's transit authority, which is responsible for about 80% of all transit trips in the region. But increasingly, transit planning and transit finance has been removed from the TDC, which creates a problem for us because we have very weak connections to people interested in transit in the broader region for understandable reasons. And so we're kind of in a trap advocating from a transit-oriented center in a context where transit planning is actually taking increasing place at a regional scale. So we're trying to deal with that dilemma also. What kinds of actions has Free Transit Toronto taken over the years? What we started doing was we actually started holding these public rallies in parks and particularly around the central area where most of us were from. Then we started going on subways and buses and streetcars and develop materials about free transit, what it is, why it's important, and we talked to people on the subways and buses and and streetcars. We did this for a while, and we had a number of internal educationals. And we put out materials, which we still do, But at a certain point in time, we started to think that it would be really important to get involved in something which could integrate more the short and the long term. And about that time, an organization called the TTC Riders, which was originally set up by this environmental organization called the Toronto Environmental Alliance, the Toronto Labor Council, and another community group, 
which didn't really have much political challenge to it, but was signing up petitions around stopping a fare increase and in particular fighting for a network of light rapid transit vehicles. And so we, along with other people, decided we're going to help build this as a way to actually get involved in figuring out how to take some of the longer-term things we stand for and operationalize them in the short run. We also got involved in this Fair Fair Coalition, which was a group of mostly people around social agencies and the drop-in centers who were challenging the fare increases and wanted to argue for a low-income pass for people on low incomes, and in particular, people on social assistance. And we got involved in building that as well, and that got integrated with TTC riders. What did we do? We developed a set of principles, and we argued and debated with people around whether these would include, you know, like making transit accessible to the lower levels of the labor market and people in poverty, class-oriented arguments, arguments around lowering fares to eventually move towards decommodified transit. So we engaged in demonstrations, which we do now, a relationship with the transit union, which has a good relationship with TTC riders, and they know that some of us are involved in this free transit movement. And the other component, I think, is that we try and develop a deeper analysis of how all these things fit together in an anti-capitalist context, which isn't happening in places. We put out materials and we try and organize in these spaces with that in mind. And one of the things we did organize last year was the anti-privatization forum, which involved all of these elements. And in particular, we gave a perspective which was decidedly anti-capitalist. So it means that we're not doing as much out there. We do some speaking and that sort of thing, but we're not organizing as much around arguing for free transit as we are doing educational stuff around that and trying to operationalize that in ways which are more short-term. And it's tough because you also get into these debates about do you spend all your time speaking to city councilors or do you try and build a base for our outlook in important communities to pressure them? because the political center of gravity in Toronto is decidedly to the right, and even those who are most so-called progressive, and they are in a lot of ways, don't really want to challenge the general outlook of things. And most recently, we've been involved in a campaign to fight for free fares for people on social assistance and deep cuts to the fares of people on low income, like to have $50 passes. Right now, it's $3.25 per ride, and the city's going to respond to it We've been organizing some mass demonstrations around. We had 300 people at a hearing, which was a huge step, but we're going to try and do more. And one of the things that is particularly striking is the fact that a lot of the work that Herman in particular has been doing always involved alliance building with different groups of people organized in different organizations. So I remember there was a moment when Chinese seniors were quite active, people with disabilities, Organizers in women's shelters who were organizing for their constituencies, low-income women, people on social assistance, transit workers themselves. What's interesting about these alliances, beyond the difficulties, of course, that it poses in terms of organizing on transit, is that it also tells us a lot about the fact that transit use and transit experiences are very differentiated socially, also within the working class itself. Not only is it that accessing transit, both physically and with respect to financing, is a different proposition for different people, but even the experience of riding transit can be radically different depending on whether you live in a post-war suburbs and you wait for the bus for 30 minutes in the winter or whether you live downtown 
whether you are, uh, you know, as a single mom harassed on the bus or not, what kind of relationship you have as a, a person of color, for example, with the transit workers. So transit experience can mean very different things for different people. And I think the alliance building is important partly in order to develop a certain class perspective, which is itself cognizant of and tries to kind of respect and work on those differences that people have in terms of how they approach transit. In order to make this really work over time, you've got to address those things. And another example is fighting for new forms of rapid mass transit, which cross some of the marginalized communities. And I say marginalized communities. They're usually not. They're usually partially marginalized, and they're mixed. Often leads to gentrification, like this light rapid transit system they're going to build in the northwest part of the city. And you have to argue about those kinds of outcomes. How do you argue for an upgrading of transit in ways that doesn't undermine the capacity for people to live decently in other ways? It doesn't force them out because housing prices are so high. Then you got to address questions of housing. And we fight to do those kinds of things as part of what we're arguing for. And tell me more about the work involved in helping to build the TTC riders and the Fair Fair Coalition going on buses, it's going on subways, it's developing materials, it's arguing like hell about what the message is going to be, what our perspective is going to be. The main campaign of the TTC riders, the main theme is more money from higher levels of government, dramatically lowering fares, increasing accessibility in terms of rapid mass transit to places where it isn't, and increasing service. We had big fights at first over that. On one level, it's counterintuitive to say that you want to cut fares. How can you have good service? Because if you accept the idea that the only way to pay for service is through fares, then obviously it's counterintuitive. We have big debates about those things, and we constantly do. So that's one level, and the other is holding educational. Like the city of Toronto is going through its new budget in the fall, and they're calling for 2.6% cuts to all services, including transit. On the other hand, they're also considering a low-income fares policy which would be impossible to fund if they did that. So we're organizing right now throughout our networks, but across the city as much as we possibly can to get people to demand, you know, free fares for people on social assistance and $50 fares and funding this. So what do we do? We go to all the different community organizations. We do educationals for people to do deputations with the city councilors, but also at the TTC commission meeting. And so there's numerous educationals we're doing over the summer in different places around it, that kind of thing. And the Fair Fair Coalition, they almost folded at a certain point in time. It didn't look like they were going to get the low-income pass. But we kept meeting and we kept doing educationals with other people. And now they're involved in helping to build this. And it's developing materials and going to subway stations to hand out these postcards we put together, signing petitions there and trying to get new people. One of the most exciting things I think we did is going to some of these communities like the Jane Fincher. We often spend a lot of time up there trying to build a base for this movement. So that's what we do. And TTC Riders has grown considerably. So in the conversations that I'm sure this organizing has gotten you into with people who use transit but who are not already on the anti-capitalist left, what kinds of reactions do you get particularly to the emphasis that you place on free transit. It is not always easy. I remember some of the leafleting actions that we did on subway stops between the streetcars and subways. It's quite interesting how difficult it's become, and it's probably always been somewhat difficult in Toronto, to approach people 
cold, yeah, sort of out of the blue, because people are so used to insulating themselves from political activity. Once you get to talk to them, of course, the reactions can vary dramatically. People will ask various basic questions. So how are we going to pay for it? What kind of transit expansion would you like to see? Should we start with free transit for certain population groups before moving to a fully free transit system and so on? So it's an interesting experience, a certain kind of standoffish attitude that is quite quite often the case by regular transit users. But once you start a conversation, I think people start realizing, okay, there's different aspects to this question and one can have a discussion about it that may actually interest people in ways that you would not expect. People like the idea, but it sounds so utopian because people get used to the fact that austerity is the norm. You can't even afford to fix the subway, you know, in the middle of the summer when it's like the sauna. The air conditioning is breaking down. A more free type of a thinking about it. It makes perfect sense when you discuss it, but the idea of making something of this a reality in the kind of steps and the components, those are bigger conversations. But you can have these conversations, but it's very problematic in terms of getting people to join something, which seems so utopian and involves so many steps. But it forces political conversations in ways that you want to be able to have those conversations. Something that has come out a bit in our conversation so far and that really became clear to me when I lived briefly years ago in Los Angeles through the work of the LA Bus Riders Union is that there can be a big difference between pro-transit policies that are grounded in a sort of generic green politics versus pro-transit policies that are grounded in a class-based anti-racist politics. And that the sort of transit system you get and the kind of organizing that you do resulting from those two perspectives can look very, very different. Draw out a little bit more clearly how that distinction plays out in the Toronto context. This is a really, really important point that you make. As I said before, I've been active in previous iterations, and in one particular moment, 95, 60, 2000, 2001, I was active with a network that does not exist anymore called the Metro Network for Social Justice. And for two of those years, I worked for the Social Planning Council of Toronto as a policy analyst, and I was involved in doing a lot of the analysis for coalition work around city politics, particularly the budget. And it became clear to me at that point that what you were saying about that sort of generic green transit activism was really the norm. There are a number of somewhat social democratic green organizations in Toronto, which have done some good work, I think, but they've always been very hesitant opening up the social box, so to speak. And on transit matters, of course, that is somewhat easy in a city like Toronto because the central city constituency of transit users is heavily cross-class in orientation. So if you're organizing in the central city and you live in the central city, it is very easy to build a movement that is centered on middle-class people and that then essentially stops you from asking class and race and gender questions in a sense. And this is indeed what was happening for quite some time. And it's, of course, difficult to also build that bus rider union model here, partly because of the fact that transit is still more of an established fact in the central city of Toronto than it was and is in Los Angeles. In L.A., the dynamics around the bus riders union, the way I understood it, were that it was this conflict between regional transit and the white middle class commuters on the one hand that were getting a lot of investment 
versus the bus riders in Los Angeles. In Toronto, you have that conflict too, but it's not so in your face, at least not in a central city, because the system is still much more expansive than it is in Los Angeles. So even the challenge to build a class-based, anti-racist and feminist sort of approach to transit organizing is both essential, and that's what we're trying to do, but it's also difficult because it does mean leaving the comfort zones of a certain kind of green social democratic milieu that is still very dominant in terms of progressive politics in Toronto. There is a form of public transit demand which have to do with just building and not really that important about serving particular communities, and they don't really care that much about its cost as well. And there's an element of the environmental community which is around that, but there isn't that close link between the environmental movement now and transit, although it's like T, one of the founders of the TTC Riders, did help to build the TTC Riders pretty well, but their concerns about fares isn't as high. But it's not as if you have this huge environmentalist community around particular vision of transit. Most of the transit activism is coming from the people around the TTC Riders. My perspective is also that there is no left political parties or organizations really in Toronto. So it's sort of like this is part of us sort of blindly trying to help contribute to what some of the components of an anti-capitalist or a socialist politics might look like. Maybe if I can add one thing to this too. I teach a lot of planning students in the faculty where I teach. And what is really essential about the experience like ours with transit organizing is that without organizing like this and organizing in other fields around work, around racism, around policing, around housing, students and citizens have no reference point to think about things differently without that on-the-ground organizing. And at the same time, the on-the-ground organizing kind of highlights some of the contradictions that mainstream policy and planning are implicated in. And our experience shows that without bringing in class questions, without bringing in a kind of political economic understanding of the contradictions of urban development in a capitalist context, many of the reasonable goals that mainstream planners are advocating are actually impossible to realize. And what we find, of course, is that, again, that you can't only talk about transit when you talk about transit, because transit is so integrally connected to the ways in which urban development is organized along real estate lines. It's integrally connected to the ways in which people are living exploited lives in their working lives, and the way in which household work is done differently between men and women, and so on and so forth. So transit, in a certain sense, allows us to see from the bottom up all the kind of lines of contradiction that mainstream policy and politics doesn't really want to touch. From this point of view, keeping alive movements like this is absolutely essential for us to have any hope in the future to address some of the deeper contradictions that we face. You have been listening to my interview with Herman Rosenfeld and Stefan Kipfer of Free Transit Toronto. To learn more about their work, go to freetransittoronto.org. That's freetransittoronto.org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>